The reading today is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sun that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Father, we pray that you would open our ears to your word and our hearts to the move of your spirit that these words written to encourage us, to build us up, instruct us, to to shape our lives, may form in our hearts as a living word, such that we may be known thoroughly as your people running the race of faith. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. I used to do running at school, and it wasn't much fun. (laughs) I wasn't a fast runner. I was far too gangly for that. Uh, But you don't have to to be fast in order to run long. Uh, And we used to do cross-country in our school, out the bottom gate at the end of the field, up the unmade path into the woods over the hill, down the hill on the other side to the lower road, round the loop, back up to the path, then into school again. And you may be expecting me then to tell you that I was one of those kids who once we got in the woods, dodged behind the nearest bush with a few others and had an illicit fag until the leaders came back and we tagged on behind. But I didn't do that. I ran to win. And... uh, I ran to win partly because I worked out that if I was the first one back, I was doing less running than everybody else. That was a good thing. (laughs) And also, I figured, actually I found out that when I was running, uh, I didn't have to think about everything else. I didn't have to think about the maths that I couldn't do or the Shakespeare that I didn't understand, or the chemistry that bewildered me, or the fear of the music practice that I hadn't done. I used much less energy in my head running than I ever did at other times. All I had to think about was breathe in, breathe out. Four steps for every breath in, four steps for every breath out. And I learned that the slower you go when you're running long, the further you go. And sometimes I felt as if I could run forever like that. See, it's really true in distance running what the tortoise said to the hare. Slow and steady wins the race. And the writer of the letter 
to the Hebrews had something like that in his mind when he wrote these words about running the race set before us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. He was writing to people who were in danger of giving up. It was a struggle for them, facing opposition from fellow Jews and from the Roman authorities. And they had it in mind that being a Christian was just too difficult. So when he talks about running with perseverance, let's see what the elements are. Firstly, firstly we know that there are people who put the words fun and run together. I can't think why. It was never that for me. But it was not that for the people who received this letter either. It was anything but fun. So the writer is speaking to them uh, in, in the way of a coach or a trainer, pushing his athlete through the pain barrier, getting them to overcome the mental blocks so that they can run freely. Now, there are two things we need to know about the Christian race of faith. We've got to understand this. This is key. Firstly, it is not a race against other people. It's a race against yourself. You don't win by overcoming opposition from the outside. You, over, you win by overcoming the opposition that comes from within yourself. The things that rise up that make it difficult to keep going. So the writer says, let's throw off everything that hinders and so easily entangles. Sometimes we see... Uh, that's gone too far, but never mind. Sometimes we see runners... Uh, in training or jogging and they've got the backpack on and they've got weights strapped to their arms and legs. But come the day, on the race day, all of that's gone. They've dumped it all. Their clothes are skin tight. That's another reason I don't go running, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Not a pretty sight. <laughs> their clothes are skin tight. They've their air streamlined and everything that could weigh them down is gone. And in training, they've worked through their laziness and their unfitness and their bad technique. They know the rules and they know the route. Everything that hinders is thrown off. And in our spiritual life, we too have a training regime for running the race of faith when we pray when we study the Bible, when we worship, when we contemplate on Jesus, taking time to think for a while what it is that distracts us from him. Christian life takes work. It's like being in continual training to throw off the things that hinder us. Our fear for the future our shame for the past, our apathy for the present. These are things that hinder us running and they come from within ourselves. 
And to be free of them, we need to do business with God. And sometimes, to be free, we have to go deep. Throwing off the sin that so easily entangles, says the writer. Sin, you know sin, essentially it's putting ourselves at the centre. The word sin, S-I-N, puts I in the middle. Sin is my own interests at somebody else's expense. And the way we know that we have fallen into sin is that we have to tell us a lie, tell a lie to get out of it. If we're unwilling to tell the whole truth or if we would be ashamed if somebody else knew about it. See, when we tell one lie, we're going to have to tell another lie in order to cover it up and then another and another and very shortly we have woven a fine web we won't know what the truth is ourselves. We will become entangled and tripped up. And sin is so deeply rooted in each of us that the writer says it easily entangles. Because most of the time we're not even aware of it why we need to spend time in the presence of God and allow the Spirit to pinpoint those things that need to be cleaned out. The struggle against sin is a perseverance in itself. And if we're not struggling against sin, we're not engaged in the Christian race of faith. And that's why we need to know the second thing about the Christian race of faith. The first one is that you're running against yourself. The second thing is that we have an obligation to help others. We have an obligation to our fellow runners to finish the race also. We have not got over the line unless we are helping other people over the line as well. That's why the writer speaks early in verse 1 about the great cloud of witnesses surrounding every runner in the race of faith. He's listed them all there in chapter 11. It starts with Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Joseph and Moses and more. And all of them have faced struggle and adversity and some of them even unto death. They kept going, though, to the end, despite the cost. And he says that now they have finished the race, they are lined up on the home straight, and they're cheering for us, for every runner heading for the finishing line. And that's why it's so important that we are part of the church. Because no one can run alone, and no one will win alone. And that's why we pray and worship together. That's why prayer is offered here in this corner at the end of our services. So that together we can help one another be free. Bringing our needs and our struggles and our sins to God. Together. And I I have to tell you that the way to be free of the things that we are ashamed of the most is to do that confession thing. To tell somebody else whom you trust in faith what you are most ashamed of having done 
or do. And when you do that, the power of God is released. It comes and sets us free. Shame is the devil's mantle to prevent us moving confidently and freely into the future. So we run free. Secondly, the writer exhorts us to run focused. How do you spell focus, by the way? Is it two S's or one? It's one, okay. My computer tells me it's one. I never believe it. (laughs) But I went with it for this because I couldn't. (laughs) Run focused. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us, he says. I go to so many houses on a visit, funerals or something else, and they say to me, oh, I used to go to church, or I I used to teach in the Sunday school, and you'll back me up on this, but I don't go now, they say. And I say, well, what happened? What went wrong that you gave up? Given that church, the community of faith, is so vital to our to our spiritual life. How comes you dropped out? You'd started so well. And the answer comes back, oh, I got married, or we bought a house, or work, or children. You know how it is, busy lives. Or the vicar left and we got another one. (laughs) Where's the perseverance? A runner has to run through the barrier of pain to win. And in running the race, we have to run through those distractions and the distractions and the disappointments that come through being part of the church. Because actually, in the end, those distractions and those disappointments, they're not important at all. There's only one thing that is important. Just one thing. And that's following Jesus, just as the writer tells us to do. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Because if we don't look where we are going, where we are looking, sorry, if we don't look where we're going, we'll go where we're looking. We'll run away from Jesus rather than towards him. The one to whom our mission statement says we are aiming to be like. And if we don't have the thing that we're aiming at in our sights, then we ain't going to hit it. So it's about focus. If something's fixed to the wall, or the handle is fixed to the door, and I come along and I tear it off, it becomes broken. It's a broken thing. And in the same way, if we fix our eyes on Jesus and then we tear them away from him, we become broken, disabled in the race of faith. We're told to fix our eyes on Jesus because in him there is the beginning and the end of our faith. He's the pioneer, the first mover of our faith. In fact, the The version I know by heart says he's the author 
and finisher of our faith. The author, he wrote the script. He wrote the script that we are living to. It's in him and only in him that we are assured of our place in eternity. And in him all the riches of eternal life are kept safe for us in heaven, says Peter. But not only is he the beginning of our faith, he's also the end of it. He's the perfecter, the completer of our faith. He ran the race all the way to the end. And so he's able to bring us across the line with him. He's the beginning and the end of everything. And that's why we fix our eyes on him. He is where we are running to. And when I ran the race in school, it was breathe in, breathe out. Four steps to every breath in, four steps to every breath out. That's all I had to think about. Just like that, we are told, fix your eyes on Jesus. We're focused on him. Well then, if we're running with perseverance... It means we're running free. It means we're running focused. And we will, thirdly, run to finish. And if anything tells us that struggle and suffering are not a reason to give up trusting God, then the back half of verse 2 and the beginning of verse 3 is it. For the joy set before him He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such opposition. Torture, shame, opposition. That's what he faced. For all all his life of glory, his walking on water, his healing the sick, his wonderful teaching... There is one description in our creed that we tell of Jesus' life, and that is that he suffered. Torture, shame, opposition. And he did it for the love of the kingdom of God, for his place set before him in eternity. And the writer's saying that above all, this is our inspiration. He tells us the way. It tells us the destination. The way is struggle. I don't really now as a Christian understand why people hold up suffering as a reason for not trusting God. Because when I read scripture, it's held up as the very reason we ought to trust God. Because we will not all have successful, happy, problem-free lives. We won't. I know that some Christians think we will, but we won't. All of us, all of us will suffer. And Jesus entered that suffering with us, endured it with us, took, took it to the ultimate conclusion. And you know that question, why me? What have I done to deserve this? We might ask it of Jesus. What did he ever do to deserve it? And the answer is, he was born. 
He was born into a world of suffering, just like you and me. But if you don't trust God in the suffering, then all you have left is suffering. You have no meaning and no hope to go with it. So I reject it when people say, oh, if you were to suffer, you wouldn't believe in God. I reject that thinking. It's not what Scripture teaches me, and it's not what my spiritual life teaches me. Jesus shows us that meaning and hope. For the joy set before him, that's the meaning for joy that is coming that is set before me as I endure this thing. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There's the hope. It will come to a glorious conclusion. A sure promise. Our destination as we stay the course. Consider him, verse 3 says. Consider him so that you will not grow weary. And lose heart. That's the point, you see. He's not only our example and our inspiration, but he is the very life and energy working through us. It's his life within us that we operate in, his power. And so this summer series ends where we began, running the race set before us in the power of God. He will carry us over the line. He will guide us on the way. It's the same truth that we began with. It's the power for God's people. We run and grow, not grow weary because God's power is working for us. And then through the story of Zacchaeus, if you remember, there was the plan for God's people as we ran to Jesus to be transformed in our way of living. And then Andy speaking about the running father, told us of the pardon for God's people. How the father was willing to take on any shame, any danger to pardon us. And then Luke ran to the tomb, looking for the proof for God's people. An empty tomb that can't be denied. And Andy last week ran with the women from the tomb and told us about the proclamation of God's people. That Jesus is alive. He meets with us. He will go before us. To think, and he challenged us to think about where our Galilee is, where we can tell this good news of the gospel. And we know that that task is a challenge in itself. So it's right that at the end, we finish today with this call to persevere. Going to our particular Galilee, 
Being good news means perseverance in faith. How in Christian life we will, we will win and go, not give up. Running free, running focused, and running to finish. Amen.